SBI show. Hello, everybody. I'm Ivan Skolarsep, and the weekend is here, and there's a lot to get into. Some good news, some bad news, but hopefully some exciting news, not only regarding the weekend, but some moves some Americans have made. We have Americans abroad to discuss. We have MLS, another another packed weekend of action. And then we have U.S. men's national team to discuss. Because guess what? We are a week away from the team getting ready for camp and World Cup qualifying. But we, you know what we have to start with? Christian Pulisic. The news dropped on Friday that Pulisic has covid and is now going to miss Chelsea's upcoming match against Arsenal. He could potentially miss and expected to miss their match after that against Liverpool. But I know what U.S. fans are most concerned about, and that's World Cup qualifying. Will he be back for World Cup qualifying? Now, first things first, Pulisic uh, came out uh, on social media and let people know, look, he's okay. He's asymptomatic. He's vaccinated. And um, so from that standpoint, it's good to hear that, you know, he's not you know suffering any 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 ill effects for right now. And that he's he's you know, if all things are go well and he goes through his quarantine period, you're talking 10 days. In in the UK and then from there, you know, coming over stateside, it, it's cutting it a little close. He tested positive on Wednesday. And here we are. It's August 20th. The U.S. plays El Salvador in El Salvador, September 2nd. U.S. men's national team set to travel to El Salvador on the 1st of September. So you're talking 11 days. Actually, you're talking 12 days from today, Friday. He tested positive on Wednesday. It's not giving you much of a window there to work with. It also means Pulisic isn't going to play between now and then, most likely between now and that El Salvador match. And it's time to really start thinking that, you know what? He may not be available for that all-important kickoff match of World Cup qualifying. And under normal circumstances in, in past years and past cycles, it'd be time to freak out. But the good news is, guess what? The U.S. has depth now. The U.S. has options now. And if, and if Pulisic is not able to play, Greg Berhalter has some players he can turn to. Some players that he, he can call on to fill that void. Obviously not players players who aren't as good as Pulisic, but players who can do the job. So if he misses one, if he misses one qualifier, obviously it would be tough. But if you can have him back for that Canada qualifier in Nashville on September 5th, you're feeling pretty good about things. And that's about, what, 16 days away? So that would that should give him enough time. If, knock on wood, everything goes well and, and there's no complications. Obviously, the COVID-19 is a, is a tricky beast. You could be fine. You can, you, things can change. You can get sick. I speak from experience. I went through it. Although I wasn't vaccinated at the time when I got sick. Because vaccines were just starting to make the make their way through. As far as Pulisic goes, obviously it's disappointing because he was off to a promising start to the season. 
but as uh, Greg Berhalter pointed out in a recent interview, that these are the kind of challenges you're going to face in this day and age where, where people can get COVID. Even if you're vaccinated, you can get COVID. But if you're vaccinated, it should you should be you should be a lot better off. It won't it won't be as uh, you won't be as sick. You won't have as many symptoms. But obviously, from the U.S., it, it almost feels uh, trivial to to talk about the impact of the, of Pulisic's illness on the U.S. men's national team and what will happen there. But this is this is what we're here to talk about. And who replaces Pulisic? That's that's a big question, right? Who would replace him against El Salvador? You go down to El Salvador. You have some options. Conrad De La Fuente is the first one that comes to mind. Obviously, he's you know been playing on the left wing for Marseille. Plug him right in. You have Tim Weah. You have Brendan Aronson. So you've got some options. Matthew Hoppy played on that left wing role. He can he you know he showed he could play in theory play in that role, although Hoppy as of right now hasn't been playing. But point is, there's options. And Conrad De La Fuente, he seems like he'd be a pretty good fit at this point in time, the way he's playing. And I know a lot of people were already clamoring for, for, for De La Fuente. It's time to get him in there. It's time to play him. Well, guess what? Maybe you play him right off the bat, first qualifier. And I know as disappointing as it would be, if you can plug in a De La Fuente and inform De La Fuente into Pulisic's place, Pulisic's spot in the lineup, you're not, too, you're not feeling too bad about that, I got to say. Now, Pulisic's uh, COVID positive test wasn't the only bad news for the U.S. men's national team. Jossie Zardes has suffered a hamstring injury. He's out two to four weeks, according to Caleb Porter. That rules him out for the September qualifiers. And that's obviously, again, another another tough blow. Especially, you know, he showed some good things in the Gold Cup. He kind of reminded people, look, I can get, you know, I bring a lot to the table. I can help the national team as much as, you know, he's always kind of, become the punchline and and yeah, among some U.S. fans who've never kind of rated him. And I think after the Gold Cup, he, he maybe won some people over who, who hadn't otherwise been convinced. But it should be pointed out, the top two strikers for the U.S. men are Josh Sargent and Jordan Sibichu. Those are your top two. Those were your top two all coming off the summer, and they continue to be the top two, especially with Sibichu playing and playing well for young boys, the Swiss champions. Now we know Sargent isn't necessarily getting tons of minutes since he's made the move to Norwood city. I mean, you know, he, he played some in their first match of the season, showed some good things and he's still going to be, it's still going to be Sibichu and Sargent as your top two, but what is going on with the striker position? You feel like someone has a voodoo doll right now because, okay, you had Jossie's artist with the hamstring injury. Daryl DK is also apparently injured. He's been he's been out for Orlando City. And then you had Josie Josie Altador recently had foot surgery just this week. Came down injured recently. And I know he like he wasn't he didn't take part in things for the national team this summer. But you know he still was in the picture, at least someone that Greg Berhalter was open to considering bringing back. And if Atador had been back playing regularly for TFC, he would absolutely be in the picture. But guess what? He's out. He's going to be out for a while. So without Zardes, without DK, without Altador, what? where are you turning if you need, 
you know, third and fourth striker options. Normally you only need two. But when you're talking about three qualifiers in September, Berhalter was going to bring more than just two. And Zardis was probably going to be that third, but now he's out. So who do you bring? And I think we know who Berhalter needs to bring. Ricardo Pepe. It's Pepe time. It's time to bring Ricardo Pepe into the U.S. men's national team setup. Number one, yes, because Mexico is is definitely probably recruiting him and, and looking to add him to their recent haul of David Ochoa and allegedly reportedly Julian Araujo, although it's not that's not official yet. He hasn't formally announced that he's switching, that he's uh, filing a one-time switch to play for Mexico. But if you're the U.S., if you're Greg Berhalter, you do not want to lose Ricardo Pepe. Number one. Number two, he's actually playing well. Playing well for FC Dallas. And you don't need him to be your guy. You don't need him to be your starter, your main player. You have Sargent. You have Sibichu. But you have a chance to bring Pepe. Now is the time you bring Ricardo Pepe in. No question about it. Really is a no-brainer. And are, are there other striker possibilities? Of course. You have Nicholas Giacchini, who showed well in the Gold Cup. You have Matthew Hoppy, by the way, who... You know, it, all things being equal, I think he'd rather play as the striker. And, that, and he has played as a striker, obviously, for Schalke. Although now that we've seen him, seen him on the wing and seen what he can do coming off the wing and going, taking people on, I think, uh, I think now he looks a little bit more like a wide option than a striker option. But you have Ricardo Pepe. Give him a call. Bring him in. And no, this isn't about, oh, you bring him in, you try to cap tie him. This, there's none of this gotcha cap tying thing. You bring him in because he's good enough. You bring him in because he's earned it because he's playing really well. And because he brings some good qualities that have earned him a chance to bring him into camp, see how he stacks up. And he's done that. He's he's shown he's played well. He's one of been been one of the most informed strikers in, in MLS in the last few months. So bring him in, see what he can do. Here's hoping it happens. Now, moving on, we're going to get into Americans Abroad news. And Friday, uh, I, I was hoping to get this show done on Thursday, but I, I, uh, apologies for that. Obviously, we have another, this is another Saturday drop. It's been a crazy, uh, crazy week. I've got a few, juggling a few different things right now. Leading up to World Cup qualifying, keeping plenty busy. But for the one of the stories of Friday, one of the big storylines on Friday was the battle of the American managers in the Bundesliga. You had Jesse Marsh, RB Leipzig against Pellegrino Matarazzo and Stuttgart on Friday, the Friday uh, Bundesliga matchup. And Jesse Marsh and RB Leipzig defeated Stuttgart 4-0. Big, big win for Leipzig. And Marsh needed it, obviously. You know, you, you lose your first match of the season against Mainz. There obviously were already going to be some rumblings, some question marks, some some whispers, you know, is, is Marsh up for the challenge? And I think he put those to bed right away. Big 4-0 win. And uh, Tyler Adams, by the way, let's not lose sight of the fact Tyler Adams started, played really well in that defensive midfield role for RB Leipzig. And Jesse Marsh let it be known coming into the season that Tyler Adams will play as a defensive midfielder. No more of this playing in the right at right back as a wing back or as a right winger. He is playing D-mid, defensive midfield. He will be a six. And if you're a U.S. Men's National Team fan, you love to hear that. You love hearing that because you want Adams getting his games, getting completely locked in, polished, sharp as a defensive midfielder because that's where he's going to play for the U.S. National Team. And good second match for him at that position. And you know what? It's going to be an interesting year seeing how Leipzig uh, responds to Marsh and to see how Adams flourishes playing for his old coach one more time. 
In other Americans abroad news, Matt Miazga to Alaves is official. The U.S. men's national team defender is heading to Spain. And I feel like it, it, he's he's got one of the more packed passports when you talk about players who's just who have just played all over. Let's let, let's keep track now where he has gone on loan in the Chelsea loan merry-go-round. You have France, Netherlands, Belgium, and now Spain. And Alaves, I like the move. I like the fact that he is now getting a chance to go to a top four league and hopefully can play his way into a starting role for Alaves. Now, Alaves, they start the season with a 4-1 loss to Real Madrid. They have an older uh, back four. They have an older defense there. Both their center backs are in their 30s. So Miazga will have that opportunity to try to bring some youth to that position. He's he's 26. He's not as young, obviously, as as he was. Uh, before this whole lo- lone merry-go-round began, but this is a good opportunity in a good league, some good competition, and a great chance for him to keep sharpening him, his game to for this fight for minutes for the men's national team, where all of a sudden, when you talk about center back, it's a pretty crowded group in the race to start next to John Brooks. John Brooks is your guy. We know this, starting center back. But who's the other center back? You obviously have Miles Robinson, who has all the momentum right now, who looked amazing in the Gold Cup. But then you got Chris Richards, Mark McKenzie, and then you have Miazga. And we'll see what Miazga can do. If he can if he can earn a starting role at Alaves, that will absolutely boost his chances to get right back into that conversation for a starting role. In other Americans abroad news, Owen Odasoe is heading to Club Bruges, the Belgian champion signing Odasoe away from Wolves and We've known for a while now, we've known for weeks that Odessoi was going to be leaving Wolves. The question was going to be, would he go to Bruges or would he go to one of these other teams in the Premier League? And I know some people might be a little disappointed. Uh, why is he going to Belgium? He's, he was in the Premier League. Why didn't he stay in the Premier League? Listen, Bruges, is they're the champions of Belgium, number one. Number two, Belgium's a good league. Number three, Bruges is in the Champions League. UEFA Champions League. So now Odessoi joins the list of Americans now in line to play in the Champions League. And that the record, which was set last season, for total Americans to be on Champions League rosters and total Americans to play in the Champions League group stage. Both those records have a chance of falling again after being shattered last year. And that's great. You love to see that. Big question for Odessoe heading into this move now to Bruges. And it's a transfer, by the way. It's not a loan. It's a transfer. The question is, what position will he play? We know he has that versatility. He can play as a defensive midfielder. He can play as a center back. Where does Bruges play him? And that's, that's going to be one of the big storylines as we head into the European season because Odessoe is a promising prospect. But he has to, it, you, you kind of you want him to pick a position so you see where, where he fits best with the national team and obviously his career in general. It's nice to be versatile, but sometimes that versatility can kind of be a handicap. It can kind of slow, you down, slow down your development mess with your sharpness when you, you're kind of bouncing back and forth between two positions. So, uh, so he, yeah, he's going to be someone that, that definitely you want to keep in mind. And, of course, with defense, when you talk about defensive midfield, you want as many new options, as many fresh options as you can get. So all things being equal, it'd be great if Otisoe could play as a defensive midfielder. But if he ends up as a center back, that's great too because you, you can never have too many center back options and uh, too many center back possibilities. 
that's it on America. The Americans abroad front. This is going to be a uh, condensed episode, and uh, apologies for that. But we'll get we'll, we'll get things back rolling with a bit longer episode. I know we've been doing one hour long episodes lately. This one will not be an hour long because you know we, we, I feel like we've touched on on all the all the quick hits that, that there are to talk about. Uh, some other Americans abroad news. Aaron Johansson uh, suffered a major shoulder injury while with uh, Lech Poznan, the, the the Polish side, and now there's some questions about what happens next for him where is he going he's apparently left the club to have surgery he had a shoulder injury broken shoulder serious shoulder injury that's going to require surgery that's going to keep him out for a long time so yeah once again the another striker another american striker down with an injury or down with some something to to sideline them so i don't know what's going on this is this is kind of a trend it's kind of scary but yeah no aaron johansson i know people hadn't thought about him recently he hasn't really been in the picture he's kind of old news i get it but i thought it was interesting that you know here he is in, in poland where he had shown some glimpses and now he's on and he's on the shelf and he's someone who i always hoped would or thought could end up coming back to ml or coming to mls playing in mls maybe once he, he gets over the shoulder thing he'll be an option for next year for an mls team looking for some help but now we're getting into MLS and the weekend ahead. It's a busy, busy week, uh, weekend in MLS. Before we get into next week, which is obviously MLS All-Star Week, the MLS All-Star Game is next week, the MLS All-Stars versus the Liga Mekis All-Stars, and I know p- people are looking forward to that one. Now, uh, one thing I will ask, if you're, if you're, if you're listening and if you uh, have been listening, let me know if you enjoy my picks rundown for MLS. Um, as I say, I know I can't really dig into every single game when we do these previews, but I try to give you my sense of who I see winning these games. And obviously, if you like betting on these games, hopefully you're winning some money and not losing some money because, as I've said many a time, Betting on MLS is can be bad for your health just because there's always so so many crazy results and unexpected outcomes and and I, it almost feels like more than any other league you get the crazy upsets and you know the teams the super underdogs pulling off the the, the wins that no one expects them to, to pull off so uh, just keep that in mind if you are going to gamble on MLS so let's run down the MLS schedule for the weekend we'll start off with Minnesota United Sporting KC Minnesota plus one fifteen. They are favored at home against Sporting KC. Sporting KC plus 200. I like Sporting KC no matter what. And obviously, as I always say, you want to see what the lineup's going to look like. Is Peter Vermees going to rotate his squad? But the way Sporting KC's playing right now, the way Daniel Shaloy, MLS MVP candidate, is playing right now, you like Sporting KC's chances to pull. And I don't even want to call it upset because they're one of the top three teams in the league. But SKC plus 200, I'm all over that. Apologies to my peeps in Minnesota. I'm going to go Sporting KC there. Columbus Crew at home against the Sounders. We know the crew are in a bad way. Huge slump. Caleb Porter's side is struggling. And now Jossie's artist is hurt. Uh, But they're still the favorites. They're plus 130 against Seattle. How is Seattle plus 190? That one's one's a little interesting uh, to me. Is Seattle going to rotate their players? Uh, There is some questions about, you know, the fact that they're on this road swing. They just played in Frisco. Uh, midweek so 
from that standpoint, you can say, oh, maybe fatigue can play a role there. This could be the opportunity for the crew to stop their slump. I'm sorry. I got to go Seattle on this one. Plus 190 as much as I'm pretty sure Schmetzer is going to Brian Schmetzer is going to be looking to rotate his squad a little bit. So I kind of want to see the lineup. And we know Raul Ruiz Diaz did not start against FC Dallas in the midweek. He came off the bench and scored seconds after coming off the bench. So you think Ruiz Diaz is probably starting against the crew and he is your MLS probably right now your front runner for MLS MVP. So with that in mind, I'm going Seattle plus 190 in Columbus. Up next, DC United at home against Atlanta United. And here's another one. I got to say the road dogs for me, at least for these early games, I'm star- I'm liking these uh, these odds. Atlanta United's ha- playing in DC. Atlanta United plus 250. Now, I know Atlanta has not had the greatest season, but their past month has been really impressive. Things have really started to come together for them. And full respect, DC United has been, they've been good at home. And I'm sure that's leading, that, that's why DC United is minus 110 at home. But Atlanta United, the way they've been playing, I'm going to go with Atlanta United as the road underdog. Plus 250 is a very good price for me. I'm going to go Atlanta United. I see them. I can definitely see them getting a draw in D.C., but I really could see Atlanta winning in D.C. Next up, you have Miami against TFC down in Fort Lauderdale. Miami's been on a bit of a roll, right? They, they've, I think they've won three straight at home. They've won a couple of late, uh, you know, heart attack, last-minute uh, goals uh, to win some games. Obviously, Rodolfo Bizarro with the winner for them at midweek, uh, stoppage time winner for them. So Inter-Miami's feeling pretty good right now. They're minus 105, so the money's heading Miami's way now. People see people have respect for Miami, especially at home. And I think it also says something about TFC and people kind of finally being over Toronto FC. And I think people are finally tired of waiting for Toronto FC to wake up and start playing like everyone expected them to play. That's why Toronto is plus 230. And I would just personally, I'd stay away from this game. But I do see I do see Miami winning this one just because TFC kind of looks a little bit dead in the water. You've been waiting to see them put together a performance that is in line with their talent and it just hasn't come. It hasn't come. They've had, you know, they've played a good half here and there, but in terms of a full match, we haven't seen it. Could this be the weekend TFC wakes up? I don't know about that. I'm going to go Miami in that one. Next up, we have the biggest underdog of the weekend, FC Cincinnati heading into New England. And we know New England, you can argue, and I would argue best team in the league. They're at home. They're minus 300 Cincinnati plus 600. This is the exact kind of match that MLS turns into an upset. It never fails. This is a game where there's no way New England should come close to losing, but it's MLS. This is the exact kind of game where the huge underdog ends up winning. I'm sorry. I'm picking New England, even at minus 300. Uh, I just, I don't see Cincy having a chance if New England plays their squad, their regular full strength squad. And if Carlos Gill is back from injury, they're going to roll. Next up, obviously the New York Derby. New York Red Bulls at home against NYCFC. This is an interesting one. Look, Red Bulls are good at home, right? They're obviously better at home than they are on the road. They're, they're pretty bad on the road. But NYCFC has gotten a little familiar with Red Bull Arena. Obviously, it's, it's become their, their, I like to call it their, their Airbnb. They haven't always been able to play at Yankee Stadium. So NYCFC has been playing matches at Red Bull Arena. And for that reason, I feel like that familiarity that they have developed is only going to help them is only going to help a team that's been one of the most informed teams in the league. So right now, NYCFC at plus 105. So actually, NYCFC is the favorite in this game, as they should be. But I still like that price. Plus 105, I think NYCFC is going to go in there and they're going to roll. Because they've made it their home. They've made it their second home. They're going to feel completely comfortable there. And I think they're going to be too much for the Red Bulls to deal with. I'm going NYCFC 
in the New York Derby. Up next, we have Philly at home against Montreal. Philly minus 165. You have to go the Union. The Union are just, you know, obviously playing really well. They're at home. We saw Alejandro Bedoya score the winner uh, it at midweek for them. And I, I'm going to take a moment and talk a little bit about Alejandro Bedoya because he, I still remember him taking a lot of slander when he first signed with the Philadelphia Union. And there were some people that had questions about the signing because it, it became public that he was a million-dollar player. And there were some questions. Is Alejandro Bedoya really worth a million dollars? And at the time, you know, it's not like he was this 20-goal scorer or 20-assist man or or this, you know, exciting international player. So there was, the, you know, some people had questions about, you know, was he worth that price? And I think if you ask uh, Philadelphia Union fans right now that question, you're not going to find a single Union fan that doesn't think Alejandro Bedoya has been worth every penny as an unbelievable signing and now as an outstanding captain for your reigning Supporters Shield winners. And he's really just given you everything you could ask for in terms of leadership, in terms of production in the midfield, and and just that locker room presence, uh, just, a, just a real quality all-around player and leader. And I, I just wanted to take the moment to give Alejandro Bedoya his flowers because not not just because he scored a goal finally has he has he you know it's funny when you heard him in that post game interview saying you know freaking finally I score a goal but he has given the union so much and I thought it was interesting that here's this guy here's this player that a lot of people had questions about a lot, uh, signing and being worth the money but he's been worth every penny. Moving on, Orlando City at home against Chicago. Orlando City's minus 170, as they should be. They get, they should be the favorites, heavy favorites. The fire, I don't know what the deal is with the fire on the road. They just don't get it done on the road. And I don't see them doing it here. They're plus 400. Interesting price. You know, that's it's a little bit of an enticing price, but I'm going to go Orlando City. I think Orlando gets it done. Minus 170 in Orlando. Take Orlando. Up next, you have the Houston Dynamo, FC Dallas. Houston's at home, and they haven't won in months, but they are the favorites because Dallas, not so great on the road. This should be the game Houston finally wakes up. I'm going to say it. And the and the odds agree. The odds, uh, Vegas apparently thinks this is the game Houston wakes up and finally gets that win. Plus 115. Uh, I'm going, I'm going to go, I'll go Houston, even though Dallas at plus 220 is an interesting price. Another Derby matchup, we have the, the Rocky Mountain Derby, Colorado Rapids, minus 160 against RSL. RSL plus 370. And that feels a little, and I, I said this last week about Portland, right, against SKC, that the line felt a little disrespectful. Plus 370 for RSL at Colorado feels a little disrespectful. And here's why. Colorado, we know they, they've been one of the more underrated teams in the league. They've had a very good season. They're very, very tough at home. The altitude can be a killer for teams going into uh, Commerce City. But RSL plays at altitude. Obviously, they play at Rio Tinto. They play at altitude. Is it exactly the same level of altitude? Maybe not necessarily, but still, it shouldn't be an issue. And RSL, I think, has played well enough that you, they deserve a little more respect than plus three seven. All that being said, I'm still going with the Rapids in the Rocky Mountain Derby. Give me the Rapids, minus 160. And the last two matches, Austin at home, minus 110 against Portland. Austin has been in a rough go. They've been in a rough stretch, obviously. It's, it's just really become one of those expansion struggle years. As, as promising as it was at the start of the season for Austin, They've kind of, they've kind of had that hit that wall where it's like, okay, this is going to be a rough year. But for me, uh, Portland at plus two forty feels like what? Wait, hold on. Did you not learn anything from this from the Sporting KC match? Why are you not giving Portland a little more respect? And for that reason, I'm going to Timbers on the road. They're much better than plus two forty. I love the price. Give me the Timbers all day. 
No offense, Austin, but in the Battle of the Green, I'm going Timbers. Plus 240. Take it all day. Last but not least, Vancouver at home. Talk about a team, a home team not getting any respect. Vancouver's at home against LAFC. Vancouver plus 290 against LAFC. And we know, look, LAFC's in a slump. They've, they've gone six without a win. Bob Bradley has acknowledged, look, I've got to figure this out. We have problems. We got to. We have. We have to play better than we've been playing. So they lose six in, or they're winless in six. They're going on the road, and somehow they are the favorites minus one twenty. I need to double check that line because that almost feels like a little too much respect for LAFC and not enough respect for Vancouver. I'm still picking LAFC, but if you're looking for a an underdog price to jump on, Vancouver at home plus two ninety. That's an enticing one. Maybe throw that one in a parlay if you want to do a little three-team parlay. You put that Vancouver plus 290 in there with a, with a, you know, a couple of favorites, a couple of uh, bigger favorites, whether you want to throw New England in there. Yeah, give yourself a Vancouver, New England, and uh, let's find another home. Ah, Orlando. Play that one. Play that one. Maybe that parlay hits it. Maybe that three-team parlay does it for you. There it is. My best bet of the week. I'm pro- you know what? I'm going to go NYCFC. On the quote unquote on the road to win the Derby plus 105. I do like that price. So that's it. That wraps up MLS and that wraps wraps up this episode. It's a bit of a bit of a condensed episode. And I, I, let me know what you think. Are you good with 30, 35 minutes, 40 minutes, or do we want to keep the hour? I've been on a run now of hour long episodes and it's been pretty good. Uh, obviously producing the hour long episode and editing it and getting everything out of it can take some time, but let me know. Do you prefer the shorter episodes? Because we can definitely knock those out. And as I get into more of an established routine, that is what, you know, that could be what we end up with. Maybe 30 minutes, 40 minutes, as opposed to the hour, obviously, depending on what's going on. Once World Cup qualifying comes around and there's so much to talk about, it's going to be much harder to stick it to stick to the 30 minute episode. But again, during the international break, there won't be anything else to talk about. But those those qualifiers. So. Maybe 30, 40 minutes will be perfect. But I think that's it um, for this episode. As I keep saying, if you have any suggestions, if you want to let me know what you like, what you don't like, I have seen some of the feedback from people, and, and I'm listening. I'm definitely listening. Someone said, you, ne- you, ne- you need some other voices on the show. It can't just be you all the time. I agree. I fully agree. I'm planning to start having guests on, and that'll hopefully break things up. And also, you know, incorporating audio as well as we get interviews. Of course, World Cup qualifying, the roster will come out in a week. So next week, when we have next week's episode, a week from now, hopefully we'll have some sound from Greg Berhalter discussing the roster. But we'll have another episode before that. We'll have an episode on, uh, I want to say, I'll say Tuesday, but maybe it'll be Monday, but I'll say Tuesday for now. but I think that's it. I think we've covered it. I think we've we got to a lot of a lot of things in this condensed episode. But if I forget anything, I'll make sure to get back on it on Monday slash Tuesday. But definitely thank you for listening once again and make sure for all your all your Americans abroad news, all your American soccer news, make sure you check out SBISoccer.com as I'll try to keep you updated on everything and try to provide you insight on everything that's going on in American soccer. I almost forgot women's international champions cup. You have Lyon against Portland thorns. You want to watch that Olivia Moultrie, 15 years old. Amazing. It's amazing. Someone that just 15 years old is playing like she plays. I wish I would have brought this up earlier in the episode, but it just came to me. I did want to talk about it. Watch that game or at least record it and watch it at some point because I tell you what, Thorns, Lyon, it's the best that women's soccer has to offer and it will be a fun game to watch. So make sure you check it out if you get a chance. But that's it. That's all for now. I'm Ivy Scalarsep. 
This is the SBI Show. Thank you.